I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show there's some song i'm spacing on the lyrics but it's the lyric the chorus is something like like we have to be positive for our job or something you know this it's a radio <laughs> song oh man i wish i could remember what it is but do you, do you know what i mean uh you, I think, do you know this song yeah uh it's really bad or it's it just keeps coming on and it's like really aggressively positive mm-hmm. to the point where i can't tell if it's sarcastic or not <laughs> like in a kind of the cardigans um, way now i really want to know what you're talking yeah, about yeah i really want to know what i'm talking about too <laughs> so many so many so many damn books my name is Christopher. I'm Drew. And this is So Many Damn Books. Uh, welcome, Hallie Butler, to the damn library. Hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Uh, Hallie Butler is the author of The New Me, as well as Jillian and... Yes, other. I feel like it was way natural, more natural before. (laughs) (laughs) Before You just sort of stared at the stack of books, (laughs) wondering what to say next, which is it kind of reminds me of Malloy. (laughs) 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 Like what was going on behind (laughs) your eyes? (laughs) Should we talk about what do we do next? It's the drink. It's what you made us. Oh, yeah, the it's drink. The sherry that's making us all crazy. It's uh, really sugary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a sweet. It's a sweeter drink than you'd think. Um, <laughs> like, much like the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is, um, this is inspired by your novel, The New Me. And um, something that happens a lot in the book is that uh, she ends up <laughs> drinking cooking sherry. <laughs> so I was thinking about, like, <laughs> sherry as a cocktail. Because c- actually the... Um, the Christmas present you got me, the uh-huh. little cocktail books oh, yeah. from Punch Magazine, um, had a whole sherry section. So there's all these cocktails in there that I've always wanted to try because sherry is not um, a, an often used cocktail base. You know, when you told me, I really thought you were going to use <coughs> cooking sherry. No. And I got really concerned. <laughs> no, no. This is this <laughs> is drinking sherry for sure. Yeah. It's, it's Lustau. Um, I don't know the difference between normal sherry and cooking sherry, but because I've never had normal sherry before. Uh, oh. But cooking sherry is really, it burns. Yeah, this is this is nicer than that. <laughs> yeah, this is, is drinking it sherry, is, it it's, is it, which is more just sherry. a fortified wine. Um, and then so it starts with a sherry, and then it's also got a, a this sweet vermouth, which is made by um, lo-fi. 
So any sweet vermouth will do, but lo-fi sweet vermouth is really um, complex and has some really nice vanilla notes. At is the lo-fi bottom. a brand or mm-hmm. a type? Okay, it's the it's the brand, and then uh, <laughs> wink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, so I did rich simple syrup, which is double the amount of sugar than normal si- simple syrup. That explains because it, it helps the medicine go down. Um, yes, is that thematic? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's um, orange and walnut bitters um, on top. So stirred and then served in a coupe. And I'm calling it the Instacart, which is um, something that... Um, something that millennials know about and no one else will understand. <laughs> but, you know, um, Millie is often is ordering from Instacart. <laughs> she does it once. Once, but it was something that she it's thought a about. It's momentous. It's yeah. like a, uh, finally, like I'm, I've arrived. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, and I don't know, does this drink make you feel like you've arrived? It's a, it's a really strange cocktail. Yeah, it is really strange. Um, it's very sweet. Um, I, I like it. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's an odd one. I feel like I, the, the tone in my voice was insulting to your <laughs> No, it's an, it's definitely strange. It's not something that, um, sherry is really a, it's a nutty liqueur mm-hmm. often and it's, and it just tastes different than what you would expect from a cocktail. Yeah. I can't taste the walnut bitters, but I'm trying to, mm. it's very, my, it's very sweet and a little bit bitter. Mm-hmm. I like it. Good. So that's that's the Instacart. It seems right. Yeah. yeah. The Instacart. Uh, Speaking of Instacarts. Yeah. What'd you buy? Yeah. What'd you, what'd you, what'd you buy? What'd you, what'd you, what'd you buy? How about you? What have you bought? Oh, this I didn't buy. This was brought home um, for me. And it's... or. Uh, it's called The Travelers mm. by Regina Porter. And it's this gorgeous cover <coughs> that I was saying to you. Um, I almost like it's such a beautiful cover that it almost doesn't matter what the <laughs> what the book is about. But it does. Um, it says that it's a family portrait and a searing examination of America today. Great. So those are two things that can be good. <laughs> um, and with that cover, I feel like it's all packaged up right um, I love judging books by their covers. I know. You're supposed to, I think. Uh, Drew? <laughs> <laughs> um, similar. So I had a, a shitty week at work last week, and I was like, I'm going to go into a bookstore, and I'm going to walk. I'm just going to buy something that I'm not into. I'm going to like – I don't do that very often anymore. I weirdly mm-hmm. am either like I have to get this particular book or you know, I'm just wandering and browsing. Mm-hmm. And I came out with – uh, a book that the title jumped out at me, American Hippo by Sarah Gailey. Mm-hmm. It's um, an omnibus of two novellas set in an alternate history where, like, I guess there are giant feral hippos roaming the Mississippi Valley mm. in, like, the 1800s. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it sounds weird. sounds great. And the other, definitely judging by a cover, I saw it and I was like, I don't know what that book is, but I'm going to buy it. Um it turned out to be a collection of Kafka short stories called The Unhappiness of Being a Single Man. <laughs> uh, and it's out in this beautiful orange rectangle from Pushkin Press with like a cute little illustration on the cover. But it's just, it popped off of the the new table at Strand. And I was like, perfect. Yes. Do I want to read some Kafka short stories? I don't know, but I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah you do want to read them. They're, They're really so good. good. Yeah, they're yeah. really good. 
they're like all of them are like a page long and kind of funny and very smart yeah, I like I like the really short ones um, because oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the really short ones are like little riddles or like little advice or something. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I just read one uh, that's just called Poseidon and it's like Poseidon. You think he's bouncing around in the waves doing fun stuff. Really? He's just doing a lot of paperwork. And I was like, OK, and that's the whole story. And at the end of the world, he'll be happy because he can actually go see the seas because he'll be done with all his paperwork. Yeah. That day ever comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you buy? Oh, um, I, um, I am about to buy um, a James Purdy book, um, Eustace Chisholm and the Works. I think I'm saying that name right. <laughs> um, and also, I've been wanting to read um, The Waves by Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, I haven't read it yet. I had a I had a really cool copy that was uh, from Japan. Um, and so I was like, oh, yeah, this looks really good. But then in the uh, margins, someone had written um, all these notes and underlined a lot. And it was really distracting. And so I couldn't read it because I kept looking at what this person had thought about the book. Um, so I'm going to do that. And then also um, the thing that I've recently acquired um, is a, a copy of Moods, a book of poems by Rachel Glazer, who I think is really cool and her poems are really funny and great. Um, and I, I'd read Hairdo and really liked it. And um, so she gave me a copy of Moods. Nice. Uh, and then I got um, Wuthering Heights out of the library, and I definitely uh, need to return it. And I keep getting updates from the New York Public Library. <laughs> <laughs> I keep just archiving them. <laughs> it's getting to the point where I'm going to have to mail the book back because I'm too embarrassed to return it. <laughs> well, that all sounds like a lot of reading to have ahead of you that you you were talking what did I say I was getting? <laughs> <laughs> lots, of, lots of stuff. Are you going to read Wuthering Heights or have you already read it? I am going to read it. I have started it so many times and I really like it. I'm really excited about it, but I just, something keeps happening. It's totally cursed. Um, <laughs> I can't. I, but I feel like such a total poser listening to the song <laughs> and being like, yeah, I know what this book is about. Dancing around. Like, no, I have no idea. Oh, the um the Kate Bush song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Just making sure I got the right. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the one. Well, I want to talk about your book, The New Me, that's okay. just out. Um, can you tell our listeners what it's about? Can you tell me what it's about? Can you? T- we like to hear it from the author. That's so awkward. Um, <laughs> I wonder if, um, can you tell me what you think it's about? And then I'll tell you if what I feel about what you think it's about. Okay. Oh, I like this game. <laughs> Are you just recusing yourself? I mean, because it's not. Oh, well, no, no, I can play too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll like, also just judge you. I mean, because it's like, a. if I say it, I'll just be like, I I don't know. It's in an office. Someone doesn't want to get a job and then they don't get the job and whatever. I wish I hadn't written it. I'll I'll say something untrue or provocative or something or stupid. So what do you think it's about? Um, So we were talking about this as (laughs) that it's, that it's a book about um, sort of millennial burnout in a way, but this is following this character, uh, Millie, who is a temp worker at a job that she doesn't really like 
um, or doesn't want to be doing. And as she decides, like, I'm going to try and get this job mm-hmm. and change her life. Um, and then you start to see her efforts from other perspectives of people in the office and in her life. And uh, I think that that's the book. Did you like it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Good. <laughs> this is a tense book that makes you, um, you know, it's it's as tense as, as reading any sort of thriller or anything. Like you're white knuckling as you're like, is she going to Yeah, totally. I was, this thinking, out? Um, I was thinking a little bit like, um, uh, I was thinking about thrillers a little bit when I was, I'm sorry, I know I see you reaching and I'll get closer to the microphone. Uh, I was thinking about like a, like apartment thrillers um cool. like uh you, you like those movies where where the it's the apartment or the building that's super oppressive like rosemary's baby uh-huh. or uh repulsion or, or yeah. something i'm in the same direction yeah <clears throat> there's um there's a book called security by gina wolsdorf mm-hmm. that is set the whole shtick is that all of the points of view are actually security cameras Oh, cool. Uh, and it's like this super swank hotel that's about to open and a serial killer is murdering the staff of the hotel the day before it opens. It's like very over the top. But I... This is not like that. But there, there are these similar <laughs> moments cool. of like that sort of... It's not quite the like eerie omniscient point of view, but there's there are just like... I know she keeps leaving trash outside and she's like, I'll take it out later. Yeah. Yeah. And when that, every time that happened and I don't know if it's just because if somebody did that in my apartment building, I would be like, you would hate them. You, you would talk about them and you would want them to suffer. Right. (laughs) And so I like, I felt that vicariously in this book. I was like, some bad's going to happen because of this. And I was like, maybe it's just that cockroaches are going to show up or like death. Well, and she also, I mean, she has these, this, thought process that is like not unfamiliar of you know like well if anyone asks me about that like i'm gonna take it down like soon yeah they just caught me in the moment when it's there the justifications and then also like providing an alibi like if she gets a letter from the landlord she'll take a picture of the trash with the morning (laughs) paper or something yeah um i guess that's funny to me (laughs) it it seems like a um she's a difficult headspace to be in though so i was just curious um was it a difficult headspace to stay in for you um yeah yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Some of this stuff is. Uh, some of this stuff was kind of a bummer to uh, edit and write because it's um, sort of extend. You know, it's it just like extends the feeling of being frustrated at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've, it was it difficult. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But then also it was really fun too because there are uh, there are all these points in the book where Millie gets really hostile and just kind of rants and raves at other people and that part was really fun (laughs) yeah I felt yeah I felt just like very relaxed (laughs) um this sort of question is um related but just that you know you you get Millie's perspective on something like when she's just um wandering around the park near her apartment (laughs) um and then you get someone else's perspective which is that she's been stumbling around and like muttering her to herself (laughs) and um she might be and like they're like can you please leave like there are kids around and we don't know what you're doing (laughs) um and like when you were in her head she's just like 
clearing her head and walking around and she just needs some like fresh air, which makes sense. Um, so I was just curious if it was comforting, anxiety inducing to be so empathetic to like other people's thought process like that. To um, uh, empath- empathetic with like the park ranger or, or just all like of the these ex- other, all the, the external, external voices. Characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't say comforting, but that's a good question. Um, I think uh, it was so the outside perspectives were kind of a way to take, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> um, kind of a way to take a breather from the intensity of the first person. Um, but I, I, I mean, comforting is is not the word that I would use because they're all a, they're all a little antagonistic to Millie, and right. I really feel. For Millie and mm-hmm. so it's you know some of the stuff is fun you know like the um her, her downstairs neighbors like that's kind of mm-hmm. a, like a like a stupid intentionally stupid <laughs> scene like they're, like they're just so, so stupid uh-huh. um that that was sort of like or like the girl who wants to get the dog or something and she's mm-hmm. like like there are like goofy scenes in it that and maybe part of that was a relief but comforting well, I mean, the other side is it could just be anxiety inducing of just like other people are judging you and thinking of you at all times. Like, and you're, you're not even really thinking that they are reacting to you. Like the couple below her, she has no idea that they're yeah right discussing yeah. her smell. <laughs> but she thinks that they are, you know, she, she's paranoid that they are. She's paranoid she's going to get fired. She's paranoid that her friends hate her. She's paranoid that she looks like this horrible, gross hungover slob she's she has all this social paranoia and usually that's the kind of thing that someone will say don't worry about it nobody's thinking about you as much as you're (laughs) thinking about yourself you know just relax you're not in trouble um but then the scenes that are outside of her perspective kind of validate all of her paranoia (laughs) and i think Like it's you know it's not for me to say um, anymore, but part of that is like a validation, and then also when I was writing it, um, maybe less so when I was editing it and after it was written. But it, as I was writing it, I was thinking of it almost like um, Millie's fantasies of what these people might be thinking, and mm. like a way to. Sh- because you know she fantasizes about what people yeah. are probably like, and she just kind of like riffs on them it's maybe like from a gen- from a generative uh <laughs> standpoint or whatever like that's those that part of what i was thinking mm-hmm. i just talked for a really long time <laughs> <laughs> i kind of blacked out a little bit i keep coming back in my daily life for all kinds of reasons to that buzzfeed piece that ran I guess a couple months ago now about this idea of like burnout and specifically how it is affecting the, like the millennial generation and and looking at the ways in which all of these simple tasks that we set out to do. It's like, well, I, you know, I've had a roll of film that I've needed to take mm-hmm. three blocks down the street to get developed for two months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just be like, oh, yeah, I'll just, and I, this is, I think the first time I read a book that actually is just like, yeah, here it is. Did did you feel not a responsibility, but like 
did you feel like you were explaining something to people who maybe don't get it? No. Oh my. <laughs> no. I just. I really only wanted to um, work uh, right parts of this um for people who you know my friends who would get it and maybe make them laugh or, yeah. or, or something um <clears throat> not that i think the book is totally funny all the time <laughs> it's like both um but i you know um i think when i started reading reading this book as i was typing it also known as writing <laughs> this book um uh when i started writing it it was 2015 2016 2016 kind of like january mm-hmm. and um it was a little before um it was like right at the beginning of this focus on the idea of millennial burnout or that mm-hmm. all kind of happened after the first draft was finished right um and so I was looking not so much out at um, cultural commentary that I'd been reading and trying to craft a kind of fable based on that. Um, and I don't mean fable in a dismissive <laughs> way. I love fables like Kafka. Um, but I was, I was reacting to how if you look at advice on the internet on like pop psychology Mm -hmm. blogs and stuff um they'll tell you to do really simple things like go for a walk call someone stretch be kind to yourself eat some oranges um and similarly on business blogs it'll be like work on your resume read this you know go easy ask for feedback and these seem like really reasonable rational steps that you can take to make your situation better but they totally don't understand the feeling of paralysis when you are depressed and like stuck in a job with seemingly no way out Mm -hmm. and so it seemed like a really simple problem to fix uh my uh, you know millie's perspective or millie's work situation because she's smart enough she should be able to fix it but there's something nebulous in the atmosphere that um that is holding her in one mood and in one place. And that was what I was interested in capturing because that was something I heard my friends talking about and something I'd experienced too. Yeah. Um, so I just thought it'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is that th- I feel like I could give this book to my parents and be like, but like, do you want, do you see? Yeah. Do you like, I, I no, feel like... I'm not this bad, but like, do you get it? <laughs> oh, I think what do you mean would... you're not that bad? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think you could, um, you you might do that, but I think you might get lost in it because there's so much tragedy on as well. Um, just in the way that she's like self defeating the um her mm-hmm. own process. Um, and so it might be like, I don't know. I I think you might run the risk of them missing the millennial burnout of it and being like, "Are you okay, Drew?" <laughs> <laughs> um, this also put down the cooking sherry. <laughs> <laughs> This also feels um, spiritually uh, similar to your last book. Yeah. Um, and it, it was like exploring a similar space. Like what what do you see as, uh, is this like a series? Like do you want to keep in this space? <clears throat> um, well, okay. Uh, I'll, uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, I definitely see this as an evolution of Jillian. And um, I think that... Well, it's hard for me to say because it's hard to get perspective on oneself. Um, but <laughs> I, 
in some ways, Jillian's a little bit more playful. Um, and uh, the narrator's concerns are a little bit more uh, art art based or artistic she's very critical of her friends for seeking uh, validation for their work in a commercial way and because she doesn't see a path to that mm-hmm. she's lashing out um and that's a, such a simplification of our friend megan um but yeah mm-hmm. this is um the new me i is not 24 it's 30 and i j- just kind of wanted to clamp it down make it Mm -hmm. a little bit more um uh you know shoulders up a little more claustrophobic yeah there's something about the ending of the book that you see it's everything gets sort of built up with like what's gonna happen and then it's just like life just keeps going right and it seems like you've you like intentionally kept the scope small um can you talk about like what what about that um impulse yeah um 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 um. okay so scope wise i guess um for the majority of the book uh the the scope is super small particularly in that there's no backstory or anything you Mm -hmm. don't really know that i mean there are a couple lines here and there but you don't know much outside of boyfriend yeah there's like some and you know maybe some drunken blunders at a party or foot and mouth disease stuff that's (laughs) haunting her how familiar um and uh yeah um i guess the the scope of the ending i maybe i wanted well Okay, this is a good question because it's making me think about it. Um, I I think if, you know, if Millie is spending the whole book sort of having a temper tantrum at the idea of transformation and happy endings and sort of stomping her feet like, you know, Rumpelstiltskin, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to do this, but I'll do it to show you that it won't work, mm-hmm. um, to to give the book or her um, like a grand ending or, or a happy ending or some sort of transformation would sort of um, undo the flavor of the mm-hmm. book, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I mean, there's, there's that like really, I don't know, maybe it's cool, but that really overblown passage right before the ending. I don't know if this is too much it's, of a spoiler. No. I mean, there's no plot in this book, but <laughs> I, I, I like I, I loved that moment because yeah. it does like come the, out of nowhere. The carp in the river and yeah! stuff. It's like a little, it's a little shit talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, you wanted to read a book so you could feel better, but that doesn't work. You're just going to go to your job. I don't know. I think that there's um i i i sort of hesitate to talk about the ending and the scope and things because my natural impulse is just to sort of um make fun of myself for you know having you know emotions (laughs) 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 so i don't want anybody to hear this and be like oh well she thinks the ending sucks, I don't, I don't, but I don't know. I don't think that's what people will think. Okay, <laughs> okay good. There was one little thing that um, I noticed about it uh, <clears throat> that that you use the brand like brands 
to signify different things about people. And um, J. Crew is like <laughs> a very specific, like you have that like, cut very close to the Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like I, I guess like I, I love uh, encountering brands in books, especially ones that are used like per, like in, as satire. In the beginning, she's wearing a, a J. Crew blouse that has pit stains mm-hmm. on it and it's five years old and it's too tight because she got it for you know an internship in college or something you know back when she was still just doing what she was supposed mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. i think um uh j crew i mean i i own things from j crew mm-hmm. iowa <laughs> you know I, but i i wear them to job interviews mm-hmm. yeah, and like so it's job thing. clothes yeah yeah, yeah and you is. look like you were tr- trustworthy when you wear j crew <laughs> except unless you're like you know it depends on who you're around mm-hmm. some people well, don't trust the j crew right people, they'll be like oh, but most narc. people do yeah, yeah. <laughs> karen trusts a j crew person yes karen yeah. does <laughs> but she sees those pit stains <laughs> i guess um you you brought up an interesting book that's also kept very small and that deals with clothes in a bizarre way. Um, the clothes in in um, oh yeah uh, Malloy oh, that yeah. you brought us um, by Samuel Beckett. It's it's was a crazy um, read and especially to read it and know that we're going to talk about it in conversation with your work. Um, do you want to talk about Malloy and why you suggested it to oh. us to read? <clears throat> Well, I suggested it because it was the last thing that I read and you wanted to know what we should talk about. So, <laughs> so it's our well, fault. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I, uh, yeah, the clothes, the, the second chapter, his clothes totally fall off. They mm-hmm. disintegrate and he's like, like, I, like shitting and pissing himself and like it's it's rotting the clothes off of his body so it's like his bodily functions are rotting away this you know the artifice Mm -hmm. of living you know living yeah Yeah, exactly um we should say the book is uh it's two parts Uh yeah one i love samuel beckett and i had never read any of beckett's fiction Mm -hmm. i read all of his plays i've seen all of his plays i've seen an adaptation of watt Mm -hmm. but i had never read his fiction and to see like so the first part is basically it's first of all it's unbroken it's a waterfall of like there's no paragraph breaks there's there's no i think there's one paragraph break there's a little mini paragraph that says like right at the beginning right at the beginning where he's like i think i'm at my mom's house maybe Uh, this is what i'm doing and then paragraph break and then i don't know if that's important i think i think it is because (laughs) the second part is a person who's in society and not on the outskirts as malloy is and he's like a churchgoer who's got like places to be and he starts like oh this person's very organized and sane. Um, and he very quickly <laughs> is not. Um, yeah. but His but, name is Jacques Moran or Jack Moran. <laughs> 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 and uh, you, yeah, so you follow one and then uh, Jack is... Uh, He's sent to find, find Malloy. But we don't of. know why. He's kind of like a, an existential detective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He should talk to the people in Paul Auster's. New York trilogy. <laughs> yeah. um, they wouldn't understand each other. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, there and like everything is weird in this book. Like, time is weird in this book. It's um, on the back of my copy. It uh, compares it to Finnegan's Wake, 
which oh, yeah, makes me aware too. of um, the fact that it's like cyclical. Mm-hmm. Like, a word could... at least as aesthetically terminal yeah. as Finnegan's <laughs> Wake, which like, well, is read... that a compliment? Yeah. No, aesthetically good, terminal. Good luck everybody who comes next. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what is aesthetically, t- I mean, like, is that, was that a, is that a worthy goal? Um, right? I yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what it means, but it's, I'm impressed. <laughs> there is something about approaching these texts and I'm like Joyce and Beckett and even Camus and Sartre like these sort of these people who were dealing with existentialism sort of at its like furthest extent Mm -hmm. both formally and in the context of their writing it's a little bit difficult to approach them now because you hear about how seismic it was Mm -hmm. when the and and this book is unlike anything else I've ever read Mm -hmm. it's wild but I'm also like but I know people like Jesse Ball definitely feels like he read all of Beckett's work and has synthesized it into his own. Like mm-hmm. it's such a part of the firmament now that I wonder what it truly must have felt like to read it. Yeah. Like in 1951 be- before it had inspired like 50,000 other writers. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I don't feel that way about it. I felt like I, oh, yeah. I was seeing something new to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's, let's look at it without um the fear of the canon <laughs> uh two favorite parts the sucking rocks oh oh my god and the bees <laughs> yeah and i think okay so the sucking rocks it malloy uh in the first half which is just this long winding rant where every sentence contradicts the next and he's doing things but he doesn't know why he's doing them and it's this like wonderful soup of um thoughts and actions he has uh he's so hungry that he is uh sucking on rocks but he's Um, not hungry either so he's not hungry yeah of course he's not hungry but he but he's hungry he's not hungry but to deal with his hunger he has i don't remember how many rocks but i'm sure 16 yeah i'm sure it's important (laughs) he has 16 rocks and he has how many pockets four four two in his great coat and two in his trousers yeah so he's keeping them moving and he wants to be sucking on each of the 16 rocks in succession (laughs) and so he's it's pages of figuring (laughs) out the correct way to move the stones through his four pockets so it's and he's like i could number them (laughs) (laughs) i mean but i've developed this system (laughs) of how to do it and it is pages of this and it's sort of gross to me because saliva is kind of gross and i just imagine what those rocks smell like Um, and well he talks about his how disgusting the trousers is are that he's putting his stones into at this point and it's like the first time that i was really thinking about that like oh yeah all these objects are on you (laughs) yeah yeah um it's it's uh it's pretty exciting stuff and so as you're reading more just more and more description um i i found myself kind of uh reading the text you know very closely but then also separating from it a little bit Mm -hmm. and looking at him like why is he doing this and it felt to me like to me the rocks and the bees felt like similar scenes or kind of like paralleled in mm-hmm. a way um and it's sort of like he's just like why is he doing this is sort of makes me think like why do we well like it seems like some kind of commentary but do you 
like wh- why like on, everything's just filling like, your time yeah or like this why are you coming up with this system for things or like why do mm-hmm. why do people invent these ornate systems for, right right i mean i don't know i was sitting there and i was like oh yeah that is a good system if i was gonna do what how would i i did like i found myself <laughs> in that trap you liked it so you i did and like i it I think part of it is like I am the most system buildery of Virgos, so I'm all about like, yeah, okay, I've got 16 rocks. How am I going to move them through the thing? I would never, I would never want to be in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. But as I, 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 that was my distance where I was like, huh, how would I handle this? As I was reading it, and I was like, oh no, I wouldn't have done that. Or like, well, man, why don't you just, you just put 15 in one pocket and you fill the other? <laughs> and I was just like, I was doing a bit of that. It's and then, clever, and who cares? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Which yeah. like I don't know is life. I I can't. Um, I just saw True West. Um, with Ethan Hawke and Paul Dano, mm-hmm. and I was and I now am I I'm thinking of everything in True West terms. Um, and so these two characters very much feel like, um, the two the two brothers in that like they have different approaches to life, but it ends in the same madness. Like you you're still obsessed with your little things, and your thought process only makes sense to you. You know, you really see in the in the in the Moran part, his poor son. Oh, oh. yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, who he's like telling to go buy a bicycle, and, and <laughs> oh, it's just like heartbreaking. These this connection, but at the same time, you're also sort of laughing at it in a way. It's it. Uh, that's what this whole book is like. It's sad and it's making you laugh, but it's also sad again really quickly. Yeah, it's stupidly brutal, mm-hmm. the relationship yeah. between the two Jacques. Oh, also, um, Jacques Moran's son's name is the Jacques. same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they both have the same name. I don't know. I, I think that I got lost in um, the, the first part because I would get lost on the page because um, I'd have to reread things because these things are really... Um, so I ended up starting to listen to it um, and read by Sean Barrett for the first half and then Dermot Crowley, who was a um, general in the last in uh, Return of the Jedi, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. Anyway, um, these two voices made it completely different. And so the sucking stone scene, like hearing same, someone say sucking stone in an <laughs> Irish brogue over and over and over was a interesting reading experience. And so thank you for... Yeah, oh, <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> what brought Beckett into your life? What made you decide to read Malloy? Oh, a friend of mine was reading it and said it was cool. And so I read it. It's mm. that is that's how passive I am. I put my trust in others to uh choose the books. But that's also the I, best. Yeah, but I do I mean I really like um oh, well what is what is Beckett? He's is he a modernist or is he or is he already post modern? I think this is I think this is the end of modernism. Yeah. It's like this today? and Gatto. <laughs> yes, right now today. <laughs> <laughs> um, like this is because there is sort of a like where the fuck do you go from here mm-hmm. in yeah. the same vein like there's no it's ter- it's um aesthetically ter- <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i like just um i like uh i like modernism i really like virginia wolf and i like joyce mm-hmm. and i like all these uh, you know i like i like anything that's loose mm-hmm. yeah where you could kind of take part in the the pleasure of making the work too, and it seems super 
participatory. Like I like anything where I feel like I have to pay attention mm-hmm. when I'm reading it because then I, I feel like those books stay with me longer and then I'm more attentive and engaged afterwards just walking around thinking mm-hmm. about sucking stones <laughs> i mean we were talking about unreliable narrators in our last episode and um both your book uh, the new me and um jillian and this have some incredible unreliable narrators <laughs> where malloy is telling you in se- moment to moment i am unreliable yeah. it's also there's something it even seems to transcend the concept uh-huh. which like that even as I'm saying this right now, it makes me understand the aesthetically terminal thing. Cause it's like, not only it's like Beckett's like, yep, this is all unreliable. Still read it, still pay attention, still get into it. And, and the idea that, um, I mean, it's even at the very end of the book where Moran has come back and he writes, he starts writing down the thing that you start reading. And he's like, it was night it was raining and he's like it wasn't night it wasn't raining Mm -hmm. it's like the the quote from Gatto, where it's like i uh, i can't go on i will go on and that like trying to hold these two things at the same time and being like you can't do it do it anyway yeah Yeah. i mean it's like a test of sympathy um but yeah you know like if you know everything about these characters and you know like these were the worst sides of them and also in yours um how they're seen by others as well as like, can you still be sympathetic to their plight? Yeah. I don't know how much sympathy I feel towards shock. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think I, I, I like reading him, um, but it's not so much about sympathy for me. No, but, but I, I feel I think more about... sympathetic about Malloy. I think. Than yeah. I do, even though. Sure. Because he he's just kind of there yeah. and thinking. But I, I love the part um in this in the second half where Jacques uh all, there are two pages where almost every fifth sentence is started with if there's one thing I hate it's <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's sort of like I I have uh I have sympathy with the text more than I have sympathy with the character. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think I, I like I like it. It just makes me feel like I don't. That this is how I am too, but it's <laughs> taken to an extreme. Right. Just just because I'm a person reacting to the world, this gotcha. is a certain way that my brain works. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. though I mean, obviously, I'm not like these characters, <laughs> but it's not always like a, about that. I don't, no, no. As you know, especially I'm sure. reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a, a question for the both of you okay. about. It's about the ending, but it's not really. Uh-huh. Are these two characters the same character? I want to talk about the bees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, talk about the I bees. I think it's... Um, Does that answer your question? The thing to I, th- I mean, yeah, I, I think <laughs> I, think I see so. what... Yeah. But, you know, uh, so when he's talking about the bees, he starts talking about how um, the bees all do the same dance, but there's a variation in their buzzing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when i was that when i was reading that i was feeling like okay is this sort of about how you know there's so many similarities between these two characters and they're doing the same thing they're both trying to find and losing family members they're both sort of vaguely unaware of a task and they might be the same person or they might be observing each other at different times but 
So that the dance part is all similar, but the way they describe it, like their buzzing is mm-hmm. so different. And so like, I don't know, something about that just felt really cool. Maybe that's a little yeah. too on the nose in terms of uh, an interpretation. But I feel like... I like that though. It's like that thing of the the book teaching you how to read it while you're reading it. Yeah. If you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. And if not, you might totally miss it. I mean, there's so much about circularity in the novel that like he's like refers to where he is in a circle and he feels like he's always just amongst it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do feel a circularity. Um, time is a flat circle. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't even know what that means, but I definitely pretend to. <laughs> Great. Um, I think that's the point of that phrase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's true detective. Duh. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I've never. That's TV. That's TV. I don't watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 haven't TV. No, I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen. I own a TV. Um, <laughs> you were talking that Malloy was just a recommendation that you gotten from a friend, and so maybe we should talk about Smooth some transition recommendations. <laughs> oh, <laughs> since that's the next part of our show. Nice. We do that we do next. Know. We read some pretty cool books. We recommend you. Uh, do you want to recommend something, Drew? Sure. I'm going to do two things. Okay. One of them is Endgame by Samuel Beckett. Mm-hmm. Um, as I was thinking about this, I was like, I need to go back and revisit some Beckett. It's been a while since I've seen any of them or read any of them. And I was trying to think about which one I'm the most excited to go back to. And I think it's Endgame. Cool which is like maybe the weirdest. It's like people living in vases. It's just fucking bonkers. Wait, Vegas or vases? Vases. Vases? Vases? Okay. <laughs> and like a, it's just like weird, 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 okay. weird stuff. Um, the other thing is less weird for sure, but it affected me on a similar, like, wow, this is talking about some shit that I commiserate with in the same way that I felt about the new me. It's a new novel. Uh, it's coming out in, I believe, at the end of April. Trust Exercise by Susan Choi. Mm-hmm. It is set at a performing arts high school in the 80s. Um, it's following the sort of like rough breakup of two of the kids. And like I did theater and I had plenty of those like theater showmancy relationships that like mm-hmm. when they break up, they're just as dramatic and it's a whole thing. And then the novel resets twice cool. in ways that like throw it forward and challenge the way that you think about yourself as a, as a kid, mm. as I felt myself being like, wow, I'm really ki-. And then it, it reset and I was like, oh, it's doing the thing that I was just thinking about doing. That's cool. Yeah. It's, I don't want to say too much else cause there are a lot of tricks in the second half of the novel, but it's a really neat experience, especially if you were any sort of artsy kid. Mm-hmm. If you weren't, it's probably also still a good novel. <laughs> Hallie? Oh, um... I can go if you want to. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, I just watched the movie Blue Steel for the first time by... Uh, you've seen it? Mm-hmm. 
it's really surprising. It's a Jamie Lee Curtis is a rookie cop, and then I I went into it only knowing that, and I think the movie was better for it. Uh, it's really surprising and really cool, and it has a really good pacing. It's Catherine Bigelow. Mm-hmm. That's her name, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's Catherine Bigelow. Cool. Yeah. That sounds great. That's my recommendation. Everybody cool. watch Blue Steel with <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. Nice. Do it. Uh, I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I feel like I, the last time I saw it was like rented from blockbuster wow you should rewatch it yeah i haven't i haven't watched it ever you should watch it yeah (laughs) (laughs) how about you uh got well this i'm you know ever since you've been talking about like pre-orders are important and it's true pre-orders are very important um i just read a book that you should pre-order it's coming out the end of june cool um and it's mary lou is everywhere by sarah elaine smith and wow um my girlfriend brought this home and was just like, this book is amazing. And she rarely like tries to get things ahead in my reading queue, but she was like, read this next. And she was totally right. It's this crazy sort of missing girl story. But instead of talking about the missing girl or the manhunt for her, it talks about the space that she left behind and this sort of um, nearby neighbor, sort of family friend who sort of takes her place in her house. And, um, like Tom Ripley style? No, not that meaning, not that um, determinedly. Oh, interesting. It's a real, and it's like, um, and it's about girlhood and growing up, and it, I don't know, and it's about poverty, and I don't. Uh, it's got two Julie Bunton quotes on it. Um, it's very related to Marlena in my head. Um, but yeah. W- go buy this book. You are going to love it and you should have it like arrive on your doorstep the day that it comes out because nice. it's really cool and it's a great book. Will do. Yeah. Thanks. You're um, welcome. You know what else you should probably do is um, sign up for um, our Patreon. Patreon.com slash SMDB because we are doing enamel pins um, for our $10 and up subscribers and that's going to happen really soon um so get on board right now so that you're within that in the meantime uh reviews on itunes are great we love reviews on itunes tweeting at us emailing us asking us questions recommending us books we love all of that and go um by the works of hallie butler um the complete works yeah Yeah, do it while it's a a manageable thing to do (laughs) Uh, um, don't worry about that (laughs) (laughs) so uh jillian and the new me the new me is incredible and thank you so much for joining us thanks for coming this was nice (laughs) we're so glad (laughs) 